Tales from a Jurassic World, Season 1, Episode 5, Peace Before the Panic. Several weeks after the incident with the Pteranodons in Las Vegas, the world was beginning to adapt to regular sightings of dinosaurs in the wild. Far from whispered sightings behind closed doors, the dinosaurs were now here to stay, with reports cropping up from across the globe about encounters with animals once believed to be a firm part of the past. Whispers suggested that departments like the Central Intelligence Agency were developing new divisions to tackle the ever-growing threat and international organisations were working hard to form global databases which kept up-to-date records of sightings as they occurred across the world. The political spectrum across America was beginning to change too. More so than ever before, there were debates about animal rights, and considerations for the restrictions that needed to be placed on genetic science. The Senate was finally beginning to understand the scope and scale of the work done by International Genetics, also known as InGen, with the so-called Masrani Memorandum providing an opportunity for them to pick into the darkest corners of the company and its work. Stories of horrific hybrids and failed experimentation had plagued the airwaves, and the CIA had worked with the government to launch investigations on what remained of Isla Sauna, although Isla Nublar was still blackened and scarred from the eruption of Mount Saibo, its secrets perhaps buried forever. As things moved at speed across the globe, so too did things move at speed across California, and the wider areas which Agents Morrison and Brown covered. The pair had been deployed on several new assignments since the Las Vegas incident, dealing with Brachiosaurus causing disruption on a highway, a Gallimimus running amok inside a high school, and even a Stegosaurus knocking a car off the road and into a valley. As life began to shift back to its prehistoric roots, the duo began to deal with more and more calls which showed how modern day life was blending with worlds from days long past. Today's call out would prove to be no different, with the agents dispatched deep into Orange County to visit a farm which had had a run in with an Ankylosaurus. The pickup was breezing down the highway at speed, lights flashing, the two agents talking inside. Morrison tapped his fingers on the steering wheel, clearly agitated. What's up? Brown asked, not breaking her gaze from the rolling fields, but clearly sensing her companion's frustration. This is the third small-scale call we've been dispatched to this week. Fran hasn't called us in for any of the big-scale reports in weeks. I'm not surprised. Las Vegas was terrifying. I guess she's trying to keep us safe. Keep you safe. Morrison looked away for a moment, his eyes glancing up the road. What's your background with her anyway? We were partners a long time ago. Worked a lot of cases together. Then she decided to move up the ladder. And I, well, I stayed put. Do you miss her? 
Morrison looked down at the steering wheel and shook his head, yanking on the wheel as the car turned to the left and began up a winding dirt track past a sign that read Lee Lin Farm. Focus. We're here. The pickup truck began to climb up the winding dirt track, driving down a small path which was surrounded by trees on either side. Birds could be heard chirping somewhere beyond, and a gentle rustle of the wind could be heard through the leaves. Eventually, the vehicle broke through the tree line and followed the small dirt track up to a large white farmhouse. The building had two storeys and was an old, rustic-style farmhouse, with all the telltale aesthetic features of the American heartlands. A couple of chicken coos could be seen to the side of the structure, and further behind it, in the field, a couple of grain silos could be seen reaching up from the ground. As Morrison and Brown looked in the crop fields around them, it became clear that this wasn't a normal field. A pathway had been trampled through the middle of the field, destroying crops and leaving prints embedded in the ground. It was clear that a lot of the crop yields on the farm had suffered from whatever animals had chosen to make their habitat in the area. Being in Orange County, the farm wasn't a huge distance away from the Lockwood Manor estate, and the agents were well aware that animals which escaped the estate could have easily migrated in this direction. The trampled crops eventually began to fade in the rearview mirror as the farmhouse got closer. A small gator utility vehicle could be seen parked outside the farmhouse. The engine appeared to be running still, and an older man in denim overalls and a straw hat could be seen leaning against the vehicle, watching the agents as the truck came to a halt. They jumped out of the vehicle and walked over to the man. Mr. Miller? Brown asked, reaching into her pocket to hold up her badge. That's me. Thanks for coming out here so quickly. I'd been resisting the urge to call you. Why were you worried about calling us? The old man raised his arm and gestured to an intact crop field to the side of the house. Remarkably, whatever had been trampling through the other portions of the field had left this portion of the territory unscathed, leaving vibrant green grass growing upwards towards the sunshine. This crop field is a new investment. Biosyn Genetics recently came into the crop game and are running a pilot program that I'm a part of. I didn't want to scare the investment away. Brown nodded, looking over at Morrison for a moment before she looked back to the farmer. Don't worry, Mr. Miller. We'll be out of your hair before you know it. Why don't you let me know why you called us? It's better if I show you. Follow me. The farmer climbed behind the steering wheel of the gator and motioned for the agents to follow him. Brown climbed into the passenger seat, grabbing onto the top of the roll cage to steady herself, whilst Morrison reluctantly climbed into the back of the vehicle. Instantly, Miller gunned the vehicle into life, and the small XUV was rolling across the field and towards a small patch of trees at the back of the property. As the vehicle cut into the tree line and began to follow a winding path, it began to travel parallel with some barbed wire which was lining the perimeter of the property. Have you had many problems with wildlife recently? Miller nodded, his hands tightening on the steering wheel for a moment. Yes. A few weeks back we went through a horrible period where a couple of our cows were killed by something. 
found them with huge lacerations in their bellies and massive bite marks of what was left of them. It wasn't pleasant. Some of your colleagues came and took stock of the incident, fitted some security cameras, helped put this perimeter fencing in, hadn't had any other problems. Until this week. The vehicle turned a corner and began to climb up another dirt track towards the apex of a hill, still following the same barbed wire fence which lined the perimeter of the property. As they began to climb further, a noise could be heard drawing closer and closer. It was hard to make out initially, but it sounded as if an animal was in pain, only it wasn't an animal which Brown or Morrison had heard of before. As they drew closer to the sound of the animal's cries, the vehicle crested the tip of the hill and began down the other side of the hill, giving both agents a good view of exactly what was going on. Oh God. In front of them, a lone ankylosaurus was lying on its stomach, groaning and shaking its head back and forth in frustration. The poor animal appeared to have become tangled in the barbed wire, with several lacerations and cuts on its underbelly, causing blood to drip from its belly. The animal was clearly distressed and was struggling to move, fully tangled in the sprawling mess of metal which it had attempted to charge through. As they got closer, Brown could see the animal's breathing was laboured, clearly showing that it was in a great degree of pain. She felt a twinge of sorrow in her heart as she looked at the animal, a once lumbering titan now seeming so helpless and lost in its metal trap. Poor thing. How long has it been like this? A couple of hours. I called as soon as one of the farmhands found it. It doesn't look good. I was hoping that you'd be able to bring a veterinarian with you to take a look. As the vehicle gently pulled to a halt, Brown and Morrison dismounted, walking up to the animal to take a closer look. It attempted to get up as they approached, but let out another pained noise as they got closer. Hey, it's okay, girl. We're not here to hurt you. Brown got closer and crouched down next to the animal, placing her hand on its head. She was surprised by how coarse the texture felt. The animal let out another vocalisation and Brown attempted to keep it calm while Morrison peered through the fence and looked at the animal's underbelly. It's not good. She's lost a lot of blood and there are some deep cuts there. Keep her calm and I'll try to dislodge one of the support struts. Morrison moved further down the fence, coming to one of the metal struts which was holding it in place. He kicked at it with his boot, trying to dislodge it. All the while, Brown was locking eye contact with the animal and could hear it breathing. She kept looking in its eyes and stroking its head. She could feel that the animal's breathing was getting shallower and shallower. Ben? Morrison was trying again to dislodge the fence, but it was jammed in place tight. Thick mud wrapped deep around the base of the strut. Ben, stop. It's too late. He turned to look and saw the ankylosaurus slumped in the mess of tangled metal cable, eyes shut, drool slowly dripping from its mouth. 
It was very still now, and was making none of the vocalisations it was beforehand. Brown sat, staring at the animal, fighting back tears as she realised they were too late. Morrison stood, mouth agape, shocked that the animal was gone. There were a few moments of silence before Morrison turned to the gator and walked back up to Miller. I'll get some of our people to come and collect it. Looks like there are some uh, tracks on the other side. Can we get around there to find out where it came from? Miller nodded and Morrison turned, walking over to Brown. Come on, kid. It's okay. There was nothing more you could do. He helped her to her feet and squeezed her shoulders tightly before he gently walked her back to the gator and helped her into the passenger seat. He then climbed into the flatbed and the vehicle was once again speeding down the muddy track. A few moments later the gator was on the other side of the fence and was tearing into the valley which sat behind the property of the farm. Brown and Morrison were holding on tight as Miller pushed the vehicle to its limits, once again whizzing past trees and through all kinds of treacherous terrain as the vehicle pushed its way through the depths of a forest. Eventually the vehicle began to emerge in a clearing and Morrison motioned for the man to stop. The vehicle came to an abrupt halt and he motioned for everyone to be silent. Do you hear that? There was a moment of silence and the faint sound of animals could be heard in the clearing beyond. He motioned for Miller to begin to push the gator forward gently and slowly and surely the vehicle emerged from the forest and onto the top of a small patch of grass which overlooked the valley. Are you seeing this? I am. Wow. Before the small gator was a valley which was alive with dinosaurs. A group of four apatosaurs were emerging from the trees and beginning to cross the clearing whilst clusters of Gallimimus darted back and forth excitedly. Other ankylosaurs could be seen huddled around a watering hole deeper into the valley, and Triceratops and Stegosaurus could be seen moving in unison in a long herd, crossing the base of the valley, heading into the shade of the foliage beyond in the search for shelter. It was like a scene out of a dinosaur documentary, with the animals clearly undisturbed by humanity. It was nothing short of breathtaking, and Brown and Morrison were awestruck by the momentous scene which was unfolding before their eyes. Across the valley, the soundscape was a vibrant cacophony of dinosaur calls, birds and wind through the trees, all melding in a unique melody which the agents had never experienced before. This is incredible! They're truly adapting to the ecosystem. Morrison said, his hands on his thighs as he bent forward in disbelief. I'm gonna need a bigger fence. It was clear that the dinosaurs were now learning to live in their new world, and they were beginning to thrive in it. A hundred thoughts rushed through Morrison and Brown's heads, but there was one thing that was clear. 
The dinosaurs were here to stay, and they were very much going to be a part of the world going forward, whether for better or for worse. There was no putting this back in the box, and they would need to learn to coexist if they were going to survive. You have been listening to Tales from a Jurassic World. Ben Morrison, voiced by Jared Ransom. Lucy Brown, voiced by Ashley Frill. Mr. Miller, voiced by Kevin MacDonald. Score composed and created by Brooks Leiby. Sound effects from Epidemic Sound. Written, created and produced by Tom Jurassic. Tales from a Jurassic World follows the US Fish and Wildlife Service as they adapt to dinosaurs in the wild.